This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. Glenn Beck, The Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America, and welcome to the program. Hillary Clinton got a shovel out last night and started digging herself a nice new email hole. Uh, uh, WikiLeaks said that they are planning another massive release. They said the sources are coming out of the woodwork and there will be an election surprise and Hillary Clinton is in trouble. Meanwhile, Donald Trump continues to soften his stance. His supporters say this is a good thing. We just want to understand it. Yesterday, we asked people to call in and we said we wouldn't argue with them, but I want to point out some things that I learned from them yesterday. We do that right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Really? We're just uh, talking here. uh, Good morning and welcome to the program. From what I read in the papers, I may be going to jail. (laughs) I was just Uh, reading it might be Joel. It Uh, might be Joel. uh, Somebody in our company may be going to jail. I'm not sure. Um... Um, but I hope not. Um, but uh, there's a story uh, in Politico and elsewhere. Um, we are being um, told by a judge that we have to reveal sources on a case. You don't know the source. Are you going to? I, I personally don't, don't know. know the source. Are they going to torture you? I never wanted to know the source because I'm too loudmouth with information. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you guys were there. Everybody knows that. I know. So. And everybody, everybody was there when I said I don't. Don't ever. Tell me who these people are, and don't tell me any speculation. I only want to know mm-hmm. exactly what they said. Don't tell me anything else. Um, but um, this is a First Amendment thing, and uh, we cannot reveal our sources, and our sources uh, have been contacted, and they have begged us not to reveal them, and we are not going to reveal sources and... Uh, I don't know what that means, but it is critical that people who blow whistles on the government um, have a place to blow a whistle and can be safe, and we're not going to violate that. Enough said on that. Um, let me tell you, yesterday, the, the softening uh, of Donald Trump's immigration uh, policies continued, and... Um, uh, it, it is confusing to me that his supporters are, are torn between a couple of things. Uh, 
One, they like him because he never backs down and he says what he means and he's not a politician. And now that he has softened, he has either betrayed because now he is at the, at the Jeb Bush policy. He is saying exactly what Jeb Bush said. Um, and there's no ifs, ands, or buts. You can compare the two, and he is, is, is exactly in the same place as Jeb Bush. In fact, if you remember right, Donald Trump, when Jeb Bush was talking about compassion, Donald Trump mocked Jeb Bush's wife, who is Hispanic, and said that's the only reason why he cares. He mocked compassion at that time. Um, and the crowd cheered. Now he has, he has stopped saying those things, and now he is adopting the Jeb Bush position. And what I'm hearing from many of his supporters, two things. One, his diehard supporters are saying, well, that's okay. He's only saying what he has to say to become elected, which means he's become a politician which you didn't like. You like the fact that he doesn't waver and he continues to go and he's not going to say one thing just to get elected. So there's that split. Then I'm also hearing from people who are not diehard Trump fans but are going to vote for him. They're glad that he is saying these things because it allows him to have more room and to be likable. Um. But what I learned yesterday in, in listening to the phone calls is <clears throat> I've never bought into the dog whistle theory that, uh, you know, MSNBC mainly has been pushing on the Tea Party. Look at that. They're talking in dog whistle. Uh, when, you say, uh, when, when you say the word Chicago, that's a dog whistle that really says uh, string all black people up. What? I don't even know what you're talking about. I never bought into that. And I still don't buy into that currently with Donald Trump. I don't think he is speaking in dog whistle. But I do believe people believe they are hearing a dog whistle. And what this means is he is an empty vessel. When you look in the past before people announce uh, a candidate on, let's say, uh, George Bush is in office, and you say George Bush running against an unnamed Democrat who wins. The unnamed Democrat always wins. Barack Obama is in against an unnamed Republican. The unnamed Republican always wins because the unnamed person is just an empty vessel that everybody puts what they think would be right they put that into there. So once you name that person, it's not the same. I believe Donald Trump, somehow or another, has branded himself as so clearly one thing, and yet, at the same time, a completely empty vessel. And I'm going to play three phone calls that we got yesterday that really, to me, prove this. The first one we're going to play is the first call that we got from a guy who um, I believe threatened Donald Trump's life. And it is amazing to me how no one is picking this up. No one, you're, you're not hearing, I mean, they took me off the air on XM 
because a guest said, how do you get somebody out of office if they become a dictator? And didn't, wasn't threatening Donald Trump. But they took me off the air because of that. Here comes a Trump supporter who quite honestly, I think was extraordinarily clear that he was threatening Donald Trump's life should he not build the wall. But you have to listen to what he says about he speaks a different language. Listen. There's no way in the world he could do that. Nobody could do that. That would cause such chaos in America um, that it would just promote anarchy and the complete destruction of the whole system. I knew when he said that what he meant was because of his past history of using illegal immigrants, obviously you know that as well, um, and, and, and other businesses using them, that he meant he's going to get rid of the uh, problem with the illegal immigration. Basically, he, I know that he meant that he was going to enforce the laws that we already have on the books. Okay, so you are the first person in 38. I want you to, I want you to hear what he just said. Because Donald Trump says he's going to deport people, what he really meant was, I have a record of using these people and hiring these people. So what I'm going to do is, without saying this, I'm going to hurt companies like my own company that is still hiring these people by going after the companies which will cause self-deportation. He, he's never said anything like that. In fact, he's currently hiring people. So if he believed that, he would have at least stopped in his own business from hiring illegals. But he makes the case, I can't hire anyone else at Mar-a-Lago because no one else will work besides the illegal. So where is the language? Again, the empty vessel. He's hearing what he wants to hear. And he said, I knew he wasn't, I knew he didn't mean that because when he said we were going to have an extreme roundup force, I knew he didn't mean that because he's smart enough to know that that would cause all kinds of civil unrest. Well, where did you hear him say anything like that? You didn't. You heard yourself say that to you and you assumed that he was smart enough to know that. And so... What does he really mean? Oh, well, I know that if we just enforce the law and go after the companies, that we will, we will have people self-deport. Except where's the language where he said that? In fact, the evidence proves the exact opposite. Now listen. The years you're voting for is Donald Trump. Yes, sir. And so you were fine with him... Uh, you didn't take this as him lying to you. You took this as what? I took I took this as he he's not a politician. You got to remember that. And uh, I took this as he, when he comes out, he says some of the craziest things, and it's just to get the attention of the people out there. Um, the, how do but, you know what to believe then? How, how do you know why can you trust him then, Nate? If if he doesn't to, say what he means, how do you trust him? Here's the thing: he speaks a new language. He speaks an altogether different language than, the, than what you're used to. He speaks a common tongue language. When he comes out and, and he says whatever he says passionately. But how do you know you can trust him? But, uh, yeah, uh, Pat's point is, Nate, and this is not a, we're really trying to understand what people think. How 
do you know which time he means something and when he does it? For instance, when he says about the Supreme Court um, that he's going to appoint justices there, he has said both things. One day he said uh, that he's going to appoint this list, and the very next day he said, well, it won't, it'll, it'll look like that list, it won't be that list. So which one do you know? He's telling, he's, give me the code to decipher his language. Here's the code, right? He comes out and he says some crazy stuff, first of all. In that crazy stuff that he says, 80% of what he's saying can be taken either way. The point is, the 20% that you have to pick up on, it's like when you read a book, you have to just find those few sentences that um, make sense. You have to go through it and find it. But the, the major thing with, with Trump is this. When he says something like that, basically what he means is that he's going to fix the problem. He, he, he's a very extreme man, and he mm. definitely um, means what he says, and he will. Here's the thing about Trump. Okay, you stop, 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 stop well. for a second. Okay. So 80% of what he says, this is, this is from the supporter, 80% of what he says could be taken either way. The 20% that you have to sort through and find, what it means is, I'm going to take care of the problem. But he's not giving any necessary policies. He's just saying, I'm going to take care of the problem. I will tell you, and I know this is going to set a lot of people off, that this is not about Trump. This is a warning from the past that this is exact. Has anybody ever read Mein Kampf? Have you guys read it? No, I have not. Have you? I mean, just excerpts. Okay. From- I've read Mein Kampf. Never read the whole thing. It, you read cover to cover Mein Kampf, and you will say, you can never tell me the German people didn't know. You can never tell me they didn't know. He said it. He said it. He laid it all out. But here's what the German people did. Look. of what he says, he's just saying to make the point. He's not going to do that. You have to understand, what he's saying is he knows what the problem is and he's going to fix it, but he's not going to do that stuff. This is exactly the same thing. Now, I'm not saying that Donald Trump is Hitler. I'm not saying that he's going to round people up and gas them. I'm not saying that. I'm saying we are behaving exactly like the Germans behaved You cannot, when it comes to the presidency of the United States, you must listen to the man's words and know what he is saying and what his plan is. The problem here is three of his supporters, and we'll play all three, three of his supporters are hearing three very different things. Common tongue language. Common tongue language, except (laughs) none of the three supporters speak the same language. They're all hearing three different things. Go ahead. And he's not a politician. He's not someone who's going to be able to solve all of America's problems. Last night when he was in Dallas, where you guys are located, he was pretty much predominantly concentrating on the black population and saying stuff about that. Um, Is he going to solve the problems in Chicago? No. You know who's going to solve the problems in Chicago? The American people. What Trump will do is enable and give power to the people to do so without the federal government, I believe, getting involved. Stop. Interesting, because he says over and over again, 
I alone can solve these problems. I am the only one who can solve these problems. Again, the picking and choosing and the dog whistle that I don't believe Trump is using, I think Trump has somehow made himself an empty vessel and you are pouring the things in you believe into him. Back in just a second. If you or your children receive a text message with a link to your bank or your doctor or your lawyer or your mortgage company and it says, hey, we're updating our records, we just need to make sure that you call this number or you send us this information, a lot of kids will send whatever information uh, they know um, on, your, on, your, on your text message. First of all, do not respond to stuff like that on text messages because now uh, identity thieves are using text messages to hack into all of your stuff. Your kids have to know this. Um, it's amazing what kids will surrender and they just think that they're helping and they think it's all safe. It's not. LifeLock scans hundreds of millions of transactions every single second. If they detect your information is being used, they will send you an alert. If you have a problem, a U.S.-based agent will work to fix it. Now, nobody can prevent all identity theft, but um, uh, LifeLock is the best identity theft protection available because they monitor. If they find a problem, uh, they alert you. If there is a problem, they help you fix it, and it's a U.S.-based agent. Memberships start at $9.99 a month plus the sales tax. Call lifelock.com or at uh, uh, 1-800-440-4936. Lifelock.com, 1-800-440-4936. Use the promo code BECK and you get 10% off your Lifelock Ultimate Plus membership. 1-800-440-4936. It's 1-800-440-4936. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. Listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Now, here is the interesting place. I want to play these three phone calls for you this hour, and and um, and show you where I'm really confused with um, with the Trump support right now. Uh, and we have to play some audio from uh, uh, that was cut out by Fox from Sean Hannity that shows, I think, how volatile this situation is, and the. You can hear the volatility in this caller where we start talking to him about, is Donald Trump betraying you? And he says no, but listen. All right. Can I ask one more point of clarification, just, okay. to, just to follow up. So um, you, because uh, you, you brought back up that point, which I think a lot of people really liked about Donald Trump, is that he's not a politician. Um, but wasn't one of the main reasons that we don't like politicians is because they do kind of what you described, which is say something that will appeal to the current audience and then wait until a different opinion will help them and change their opinion. 
I mean, what what we're kind of describing here with Trump is very typical of politicians, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, he's learning the game. His, the, the, the current people that he just replaced and put in there are softening them up. And he's actually, for the first time, listening to okay. his people underneath him. And I believe he might be listening to your show. Um, he, I know for a fact he's listening to Handy, and I know for a fact he's listening to Rush. And he's listening to the American people. His, his advisors underneath him, I think, are a good thing now. I think the other ones weren't quite fitting him. And I know that because, you know, like wait, 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 wait. Because they can give him the language that will help him get elected or because he's yes. changing his mind? Absolutely. Now he's coming towards the independents and the Democrats. He, he knows that he can't, he, it's not going to go but anywhere. But does he mean it? Wait, wait, wait. Does he mean it or is he just saying these things like a politician? He's just, he, he's just saying these things at this moment. And I have no problems admitting that to get elected. Okay. Just as long as, while he, as far as I'm concerned, as long as he does the basic things, the foundational things, which is build a wall, mm-hmm. he's not going to have people like me coming after him. Because- okay, now stop there. Mm-hmm. Because that could mean several things. There's no threat implied. However, he continues. And then I want to play what Fox cut out of the Hannity special. And I want you to hear that volatility as well when we come back. The Glenn Beck Program. Last night I read a book a friend gave me. I'm, I'm trying to get through all of the books that friends have given me and everything. Trying, trying to clear off my nightstand. You haven't started Pendulum yet. Now you're going to throw another one at oh, me? No, that Pendulum, you have to read. Read Pendulum. You will understand. It's a marketing book, but you will understand everything that is happening in the world right now. It, read Pendulum. Um, so last night I read a book, and this is only like, I don't know, 30 pages um, written in 1976, I cannot remember the name, and I can't remember who wrote it. That good? I'm gonna, no, no, no. I'm gonna. Uh, uh, my friend, I wrote to him and I said, "Give me the name of the book," because um, I was gonna bring it in tomorrow. Um, tomorrow or Monday, I'm gonna do. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll share it with you. It's about empires and how empires die, and uh, it's phenomenal, phenomenal on the course. Of, they went, went, he went back and he traced all empires. And they all last around 200 to 250 years. And uh, he tracks them. And they track exactly the same every time. And you'll find exactly where we are. And it explains an awful lot. It explains an awful lot. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. Written in 1976. And... It doesn't 19- sound phenomenal. That's no, it's really depressing. Well, it sounds phenomenal if the book says we're on top of the world and yeah, everything. No, 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 everything no, no, no. If it lasts about two hundred and fifty years, do the math. <laughs> I know it's <laughs> you know it's it's but it's remarkable. Wow. It's remarkable how much they all track exactly the same. 
and explains why they track that way. It's it's really remarkable. Okay, so Donald Trump, um, the the comment that we're having is that uh, his supporters hear things that he doesn't say, and they just assume that that's what he means because he's like them. Even though we had three callers on, and I don't know if we're going to get to all three callers, we had three callers on, all of them were voting for him for a different reason. One was because he is a strong border guy. Another one was because he wasn't going to vote for Donald Trump, but now he is because he's not a strong border guy. And the third one was because he is anti-politician and he speaks my language of the bar stool. All three of them said <laughs> he speaks my language. That is Trump, man. You and, know he's hanging out at the corner bar. Right? I know. And you know all three of them are hearing different things from him. It's phenomenal. Just phenomenal. I mean, that is something that politicians strive uh, to achieve. Oh, yeah. Sure is. No, he's say, got it in spades. If you could say yeah. something and every group with differing opinions will believe you're speaking to, to them. them. I mean, and that's that is, exactly what's happening. Exactly yeah. what's happening. Um, so... The question is, will they ever care? Donald Trump has said, I can go out on Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody. Well, listen to what this guy said. Now, he said um, in the last break we played where he said, you know, then somebody like me is going to come after. You know what I mean? You'll have to deal with somebody like me. And I said, no, I don't know what you mean. If he doesn't do what he said. So if he doesn't build a wall, if he doesn't build a wall like China... Um, then you're then he's in trouble. It's the yeah, wall that trouble. is your line. Oh, okay. he's, he's he's in so much trouble. You don't even understand the backlash of us. Oh, I the think we're so frustrated and angry and tired of all the political stuff. We're going to come after him personally. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We're going to get him. Mm-hmm. Not I don't about know what him. you mean. No. Hang on. What does that mean? Um, Impeach you know, him. The, the most peaceful way that you can get rid of a president is impeach him. Right. Yes, sir. Okay, now You're listen, not, there's not violence when you say coming after him personally. Well, I mean, hey, hey, you yourself said he's condoned violence in the past, hasn't he? And <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think that it's good to... towards to, him, to, he hasn't condoned violence. Yeah. <laughs> That's toward a, us. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, he's appealing, he's appealing to, to people who are very frustrated and angry. Their, mm-hmm. their frustration and anger can only be subsided if he makes his promises true. And I, he, he has a lot on his shoulders. He, maybe he himself doesn't even know how much. But if he okay. doesn't come through for us, he's going to have bigger problems. Bigger problems than what I you know. truly believe that is a threat. It he basically admits sounds it. like it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he yeah. himself said... And he's he using the rationale out. of, well, he's talked about violence. Exactly so right. Exactly he right. brought that now, out in us. You, you don't hmm. believe that. Yeah, I mean, when I listen to it, and I think that is what he's saying. However, I don't take him seriously. Um, because what we've seen from people who are, are hardcore Trump supporters over a long period of time is that no matter what he does, they, they don't make care. excuses for it. And, mm-hmm. and look at this guy specifically. He's saying, if he doesn't build that wall, I'm going to get mad and do all sorts of stuff. But the, a different part of the same policy he's willing to excuse as meaningless. Okay. I, my belief is if Donald Trump doesn't build that wall, which, by the way, he will not, if he does not build that wall, then this guy will be back on the phone with us excusing that activity as well. Okay. In a way, I hope you're right. I mean, I hope we don't ever have to see if he's going to do it or not do it. I hope we don't ever have to cross that bridge. But if we do cross that bridge, I hope you're right. 
However, may I, if the court will indulge me here, yes, sir, <laughs> enter into evidence something that Fox News cut out of the Hannity um, uh, special. And Trump looked to his crowd and said, let me take a, a, a poll here. Now, I want you to listen to A, um, the commotion. I want you to listen to the number of people. I want you to listen to how it is singled out as one. Now, listen. I've had very strong people come up to me, really great, great people come up to me. And they've said, Mr. Trump, I love you. But to take a person that's been here for 15 or 20 years and throw them and the family out, it's so tough, Mr. Trump. I mean, I've ha- I have it all the time. It's a very, very hard thing. So, so I got it. Look, this is like a poll. There's thousands of people in this room. Who wants those people thrown out? Now, who wants them? Who wants them? Hey, stop. They do. You hearing that? I mean, they want them. They want them thrown. They want him. Thro- they want. They want those people thrown out. Now, As they were promised, by the way. Right. And there's more. And and I want you to listen. Those people are very vocal, and they are very excited. Now he asks, who doesn't want them thrown out? And you'll hear more polite uh, uh, cheers and clapping. Listen. Who's the guy who wants them thrown out? Yeah. World Wrestling Federation. The guy who wants him thrown out. Stand up. Okay, stop. Stand up. The guy. The guy. <laughs> the guy who wants him thrown out. They reduce it to try to reduce that to one person. Now, remember, there's a lot of people that don't want to raise their hands. They're talking currently about the silent polls. Have you heard the Trump campaign saying this? The old Bradley effect. Uh, right, that there's a lot of people that want to vote for him, but they don't want to say they're voting for him. How many people in that audience want to say, yes, throw them out, but don't want to be seen as throw them out? Many. 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 More than one. Yes. Okay. I know that when I'm in front of an audience and I say, hey, who's for Trump? And somebody is into it and, and, and raises their hand right away. I know there's a lot more people in my own audience that are for Trump. They just don't want to raise their hand. Okay, because they just don't want to engage in that. They just want to listen and they don't want to engage. So I know that either way you go, there's more on each side. Go ahead. All right. Listen to this. Hold on. Listen to that. All right. So you got there's that. So who does who wants to work? By the way, no amnesty, no citizenship, etc. Who doesn't want them thrown out? So who, who does not want them thrown out? Stand up. Yeah. There you go. All right, so then that raises, Mr. Trump, that raises a really important hey, so question. stop. So that was all cut out. That was all cut out. <laughs> Mr. Trump, so... Can I have that, my show back? See, no, they're saying they want you to soften your policy. Do you, I know you don't want to, Mr. Trump. You're too committed to everything you believe. But for us and for those in the audience, please, come on. You're not helpful. <laughs> no, not at all. You're not helpful. Uh, Mr. We, Trump. You're not helpful. Oh, but Mr. Trump, <laughs> please. please. Can we also stop. point out, by the way, again, this whole thing about uh, I don't, what I want is someone who's not a politician. 
Yet what he's doing is taking a poll of the audience to see how they feel uh, in order to, I guess, form his policy, which to this moment still is undetermined. Uh, well, he said he's coming out. He's coming out very soon, very soon. with a very good policy yeah. that you will love. But I mean, w- wouldn't you? Crit- I mean, wouldn't a politician who said, "You know what? I'm not. Look, I don't know which way to go. Everyone, stand up. Who wants to be pro high taxes and who wants to be pro low taxes? Let me try to sort this one out. What kind of? I mean, who does that? That's somebody who lets the crowd lead and not is not a leader himself. Yeah. But I would say that if you listen. I have these people coming up to me and say, Mr. Trump, Mr. Trump, I love you. But the people that is say, are saying that are the, his own children, okay? And him. That is exactly what he was saying when Mitt Romney held his milk toast point of view on the border. And he Romney said, was never as strong as I'm going to throw him out. No, never. he was Marco Rubio. Yeah, he was not going to deport deport. Me. No way. He he was Marco Rubio or Jeb Bush, and Donald Trump was softer than that. He held a meeting with great Hispanics at that point, where he was talking to this great this great group of Hispanics. They were dreamers, and he was talking about a pathway to citizenship. So this is him, I believe, moving back now into his real position, and he's using his people as shields. Now, some people would say, and I think we had a caller yesterday that said, don't you see, this is the way for him to unite everybody. This is a way for him to go grab those people who nobody could have ever grabbed and bring them over to a pathway to citizenship. That's what one of his supporters said. Don't you see his genius? He has said all of these things. He is the champion of the little guy. He's a champion of the barstool kingdom. And he has, those people wouldn't have moved for anybody else. And now he's moving them to a pathway to citizenship, to a place to where we can all unite. That's unbelievable. I mean, that is the most... If that's what he's doing, A, I, 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 I don't like to be manipulated myself. Um, and that is the biggest progressive move I've ever seen. I know better than you do. So I'll pretend to be you. And then I will teach you how it should be done and enact the policy that I know is right. That's the most amazing progressive move I've ever seen. Um, uh, but if, if, if that's what he's doing, how, 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 how do you feel about being manipulated? Now this, uh, thieves think they're entitled to what you have. They'll even break into your house in broad daylight. Young boy in, um, Nevada came home, school burglary. Uh, he came home from school and a burglary was in process at his house. Um, the belongings were out of place. He, he walked in, and it was still going on. I mean, he, we- he went into the house, which is shocking, um, and got out. He kept calm. He left, and he went over to a neighbor's house. He was fine, but the burglary could have been avoided. The police would have been there before he got there if they would have had Simply Safe. 
Time to think about security for your home and to protect your family. Simply Safe is having their biggest sale ever. You can get $100 off your personalized Simply Safe system. It includes the glass break, entry, motion sensors, whatever you need to keep your family self safe. And you help design it. I mean, you, there, nobody's there to upsell you on things. You design it, and it's all wireless and no contract. So you can move it. If you live in an apartment, you're going to move to a house. You live in a house, you're going to move to an apartment. You're going to move to another house. It doesn't matter. This is yours to keep now. And uh, Simply Safe has the, t- the trained professionals to watch over and monitor this 24-7 and then to alert police um, as well as you and the family. Simply Safe Home Security, $14.95 a month. Go to simplysafebeck.com right now. Simplysafebeck.com. Get $100 off your home security system. Biggest sale they've ever had at simplysafebeck.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Glenn Beck program. So I'm I'm going to meet uh, Mel Gibson today. Mel Gibson is coming into town, and uh, I'm going to a, uh, a screening of his new movie, which sounds fantastic. Um, but uh, his office called and said, you know, like to spend some time getting to know Glenn. Does he have time to swing by and spend an hour with Mel? Well, yeah, yes. Uh, <laughs> Is Mel Gibson. I, he's Mel Gibson, and I'm a huge fan of Mel Gibson. I'm am fascinated to see what he's like in person. Fascinated. Oh. He, is, he has gone through. He has gone through really bad things. <laughs> every might not be the day for that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just uh, whatever. Um, <laughs> no. It, he, I he's mean, had plenty of struggles. He has, yeah, he has. massive. I, I mean, I, I, I don't think there's anybody. I want him to be through with those struggles. So do I. Is there anybody that you know of who has gone through bigger, more public ups and downs? Ups and downs. Yeah. Yeah, so. I mean, I don't know of anybody. And a friend of mine uh, said um, that he is he has sorted through a lot of this stuff and is and Great. is through all of these things. I'm thrilled if that's true because I love his movies. I watched Braveheart with Rafi. We don't even see... One of my see, favorites of all time. Oh, my gosh. We don't even see... We don't see, we don't see PG-13 stuff usually with Rafi and Cheyenne. But, but Braveheart, you learn so much from. It is such a good, solid movie. He's got such an important voice. I, I hope that he has put all that stuff behind him. Anxious to, anxious to see what he's like. I'll tell you about it tomorrow. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.
Last night I spent some time reading um, uh, a essay on the fate of nations. It was written in the 1970s, but it shows exactly where we are. And they go from you know Mesopotamia, uh, uh, Persia, Rome, Greece, all of the empires, and they look at this cycle and. Uh, Sir John Glubb is his name, and he tried to figure out exactly what is the cycle of an empire, what does it look like when it's starting to come undone, uh, and and why does it come undone, and it is fascinating. I want to go through the six seasons or six cycles that he says every empire goes through um, and start our discussion on this. I think this is really fascinating to learn. We'll give that to you coming up in just a second. Also, we continue with our four-part series on Dr. Martin Luther King. Who was he? Yesterday, we talked about was he a communist? Was he a capitalist? Was he Republican or Democrat? A lot to learn in yesterday's uh, episode. In today, we look at the scandals around Martin Luther King. The good ones, the bad ones, the truth and the lies. We do that beginning right now. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Programme. What is the truth about iconic civil rights leader Martin Luther King? Today, we examine his scandals, actual and alleged. To the left in this country, Martin Luther King has been elevated to near Mount Olympus status. Meanwhile, the right has been fed a steady diet of his communist leanings, anti-American activities, and immoral actions. However, in the decades following his tragic assassination, those on the right and those who are white who dared accuse MLK of being a socialist or communist were labeled racists. Then in 2010, along came former NAACP president Julian Bond. We don't remember the king who was the critic of capitalism, who who said to uh, Charles Fager when they were in jail together in Selma in 1965 that he thought uh, a modified form of socialism would be the best system for the United States. Uh, We don't remember the Martin Luther King who um, talked ceaselessly about taking care of the the masses and not just dealing with the people at the top of the ladder. Uh, So we've anesthetized him. We've, we've made him into a different kind of person than he actually was in life. And it may be that that's one reason he's so celebrated today, because we, we celebrate a different kind of man than really existed. But he was a bit more radical, not, not terribly, terribly radical, but a bit more radical than we make him out to be today. So what was Martin Luther King Jr., ideologically speaking? He apparently never joined a political party, neither the Democrats or Republicans. And while many left-wing admirers today claim he was a democratic socialist, that claim isn't documented either. MLK did, however, leave some conflicting breadcrumbs along the way. We must also realize that the problems of racial injustice and economic injustice cannot be solved 
without a radical redistribution of political and economic power. Yet King also strongly denounced LBJ's Great Society, which was socialism put into practice in the United States of America. The promises of the Great Society have been shut down on the battlefield of Vietnam, making the poor, white and Negro, bear the heaviest burdens both at the front and at home. He was obviously disappointed with the allocation of funds to fight the Vietnam War, in which he did not believe. And that caused him to be at odds with LBJ, whose policies called for billions to be spent on poverty, as did MLK's. And it didn't cost the nation one penny to integrate lunch counts. It didn't cost the nation one penny to guarantee the right to vote. But now we are dealing with issues that cannot be solved without the nation spending billions of dollars and undergoing a radical redistribution of economic power. Billions in spending? Try $22 trillion and counting. That number has, in fact, been spent on poverty since Martin Luther King made that speech. It didn't work. Why? Because government doesn't belong in the poverty business. Neighbors do. When MLK supporters proudly state that Reverend King wanted socialism because that's what Jesus taught, they are simply and completely wrong. Jesus taught that individuals and families should take care of the poor. Churches should be the next resort in taking care of the poor. That is what historically works. However, whatever MLK believed ideologically, whatever governmental and economic system he envisioned, it doesn't really matter. We can admire and even emulate his fight for equality and justice along with striving for the successes he earned while disagreeing with his political viewpoints. As for his communist activity, the FBI's interest in King began as a national security matter. In 1961, the Bureau learned that a former Communist Party insider named Stanley Levinson had become King's closest white advisor. Levinson helped write speeches and raise money. The following year, Democratic Attorney General Robert Kennedy approved wiretaps on Levinson's home and office, and the Democratic White House, while JFK was president, advised King to drop his communist friend. In fact, former Democratic First Lady Jackie Kennedy had some very unflattering things to say concerning how Kennedy felt about MLK shortly after JFK was killed. Her comments included the feelings at the time of the equally sainted Robert Kennedy. Well, I mean, the Martin Luther King is really a tricky person, but I wouldn't know. He never said anything against Martin Luther King to me, so... Um I don't know if he, Bobby would be the one to find out what he ever really thought of him in that way. But Bobby told me later, I just can't see a picture of Martin Luther King without thinking, um, you know, that man's terrible. It was during the RFK-sanctioned FBI surveillance of King for suspected communist activities within the movement that they came across his interest in women other than his wife. 
The affairs were prevalent enough that the FBI even sent audio tapes of at least one of his interludes to his wife, Coretta. It is believed that the FBI, perhaps even J. Edgar Hoover himself, was behind an anonymous letter sent to King calling him evil, a fraud, and telling him that he was done. The anonymous letter writer, claiming only to be, quote, a Negro, end quote, began, King, in view of your low-grade, abnormal, personal behavior, I will not dignify your name with either a mister or a reverend or a doctor, and your last name calls to mind a type of king such as King Henry VIII and his countless acts of adultery and immoral conduct, lower than that of a beast. It concluded, King, there is only one thing for you to do. You know what it is. You have just 34 days in which to do this. This exact number has been selected for a specific reason. It has definite practical significance. You are done. There is but one way out for you. You better take it before your filthy, abnormal, fraudulent self is bared to the nation. Obviously, Martin Luther King did not acquiesce. He also suspected from the beginning that the letter came from J. Edgar Hoover. But in the face of all this pressure, he continued to fight for the cause in which he so strongly believed. And yes, there were affairs. Even his close friend and former right-hand man, Ralph Abernathy, finally admitted as much in his 1989 book. It is also true that MLK was with another woman the night before his death. There is absolutely no evidence, however, to back the rumors of prostitutes, white prostitutes in particular, nor the abuse of them, as emails have circulated over the years have alleged. MLK has also been accused of plagiarizing both his Ph.D. dissertation from Boston University and his I Have a Dream speech. The former is true, the latter not really. The plagiarism was never noticed while King attended school, nor was it realized while he lived. In the 1980s, archivists at the Martin Luther King Papers Project discovered the evidence and eventually presented it to Boston University. In 1991, a committee of scholars at Boston University did indeed conclude that he had stolen his dissertation. However, they decided not to act on it since King had been dead for 23 years by then. It is also alleged that he lifted a 1952 speech at the GOP convention by black pastor Archibald Carey for his dream speech. However, when our team compared the two speeches, it is easy to see that they are quite different other than the similarity of both men using the lyrics from My Country Tis of Thee, especially the phrase, Let Freedom Ring. Clearly, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. had serious issues as everyone does. Morally, the hypocrisy of a reverend cheating on his wife is no doubt difficult at best to understand. And to conservative, constitution-loving Americans, his tendencies towards socialism are definitely problematic. But there still is much we can learn from the man who finally, successfully, moved a nation forward on civil rights using techniques of nonviolence during a time when there were multiple powerful forces pushing in the opposite direction for violence and chaos. Next time, the turbulent late 60s assassinations and the legacy left by a deeply flawed man. Glenn Beck. 
This is the Glenn Beck Program. It is the anniversary of the I Have a Dream speech uh, this week. That's why we are doing um, the history of Martin Luther King. And he is a, he is a complex figure and a guy that um, uh, is, I think, being hijacked and has been hijacked by one side of this country. And I think it's important to understand exactly who he is, the good and the bad. And now this. According to J.P. Morgan, hedge fund outflows in July were the largest since 2009. Year to date, investors have pulled more than $109 billion from active U.S. equity funds. At some point, all these redemptions are going to force hedge funds to start selling. And when big hedge funds start selling, watch out below. I will tell you... um, Everything that I have seen, everything that I have read, talk about equities and how equities are about to collapse, that they are so overpriced. Uh, And equities and bonds, look out. Look out as these things begin to crumble. Uh, it um, It will be the beginning of the Great Reset, if you will. It is why um, I have talked to you about gold for so long, and I'm always wrong on timing, um, but I'm usually not wrong on direction. Um, I'm just, I get the big picture right. I usually get the small picture um, incorrect. Um, we, we, are, we are headed towards it, and I know you're sick of me saying it, because I've been saying it since 2004 or five, and... Um, and I gave you a strong warning in 2006 and seven that it was coming all the way up to the, the, the last year, right before the year before Barack Obama was elected in 08, I was practically begging you, please, please diversify, please, um, don't buy into all of this stuff. I am, I'm feeling that same thing right now, please diversify. If you have been thinking about it, now is the time to do it. And I'm not trying to sell you something. I'm trying to save you something. I am, uh, I have this conversation myself with my wife and my family, um, every night. And I have, I have said to my wife just recently, honey, what else can we do? Because it's coming. It's around the corner. I can do no more than raise the alarm bell when I feel it. I hope I'm wrong. But please, do your own homework. Don't take my word for it. Listen to people who know and take in diverse opinions. Please, one gold line one gold line or goldline.com. Read their important risk information, but find out now. If gold or silver is right for you, it is for my family and the only people I trust, Goldline. 866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Glenn Beck Program. 
Are there any movies coming out this weekend? Anything good happening this weekend that we can unplug? And what's happening this weekend? Is Mel Gibson's movie coming out this weekend? Because I'm what? I'm meeting with Mel Gibson today. What? Uh, and uh, spending about an hour with him, and I'm you know I'm interested. It's the story. Gosh, I don't even know why I know this story, but somebody told me about it. It's this guy who was a conscientious objector in World War II. Oh, right. And, um, right. And right. he goes to war. He goes to war. Yeah, that looks Everybody's really good. Everybody's mocking him. That looks oh, really yeah. good. Yeah, it's, it seems really good. Yeah. The one yeah. we have to talk about that's coming out this weekend is Southside with You. What is that? I, were you guys familiar with this? No. I was not familiar with it until uh, two not days ago. I sent it over the trailer for us to do on Patents 2 today. It is the love story of Barack and Michelle Obama. Oh, oh, get out of here! To be is it really? The story of their first date and their rise to the White House. Oh, my gosh. And you have oh my gosh. got to be. It's unbelievable. I just saw commercials on it, uh, yes. for it on CNN yesterday, and it's produced by John Legend, who's the musician. I don't know <laughs> what. Embarrassing. Come it's, on. And it's, it looks so oh my bad. Oh, my gosh. It's, it is legitimately like it like it's it's Barack picking up Michelle, asking her out. Uh, they go out and they're they're talking about all the important things they want to do in their lives. Why is that movie coming out now? That is bizarre. I guess like I mean maybe it's hey uh, you know we need to make the I mean make them people again, make them so people they again, go. so they can have their legacy set and. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, it is totally legacy building. It is, is legacy building. Pathetic. And, and of course, the most that's amazing, the biggest thing that's ever been done for Barack Obama's <laughs> legacy are these two candidates running against each other. Oh my god! Because sure. they're so unpopular. Sure. No matter what you feel about them, their stats are so bad. Their approval are, is so bad that it's helping his job approval rating. It's going well, through the roof. I don't yeah, know. If everyone's noticing like, that. We're getting like, into like the well, because into the mid- how much like, we love Bush as much as we disliked him at the end of his presidency. Yeah. When Barack Obama came around and you had Obama and McCain to choose from, I loved George Bush like he was my father. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to live with and, George and Bush. And there's something else that's happening. Um, Barack Obama is not doing anything. Right. So I mean, when least... a president isn't doing anything yeah. and nobody's targeting you, right. it's, it's easy. It takes all the heat and off. you have two people out that you hate. You do kind of look back to that guy who's you're seeing through the green glass tinted windows oh, of the White House. You're like, days. oh, I like him. <laughs> Never happened to him. Can he stay longer? Yeah. Can he stay longer? I mean, don't ask don't him. Ask don't him. say it three times. I'm <laughs> <telling you that. laughs> also out this weekend, Mechanic Resurrection. Uh, you've been waiting for the next Jason Statham movie, ah, right? Oh, no, I have not. Wait, Mechanic uh, Resurrection? That's Jason Statham? Yeah. And then there's uh, Hands of oh, Stone. It's the uh, Roberto Duran story, I think. When it actually looks that looks. He was really fighting Sugar good. Ray and all that time. That, that was looks a, really was a good, good time for boxing. Yes, it was. Uh, those days don't come back. No. I, no I couldn't name you. I don't think I could name a heavyweight boxer right Who now. Who is the world champion? I don't know. I don't know. Isn't that I, weird? I, in any, in any weight death. class. I don't think I know any of them. And I used to, you know, I used to follow. Does anybody Sugar watch Ray? HBO? Because it's the only time I ever think of boxing. Yeah, yeah they'll HBO. have some, yeah, somebody on, and you'll think, yeah, I wonder if ah, boxing is still happening. I wonder if they're big boxers. <laughs> I, I mean, are names. they local boxers? <laughs> Who are these guys? Um, uh, so uh, heavyweight division, WBA champion Tyson Fury. Never, heard never of heard of it. Of it. Um, Deontay Wilder. Why these are, is this? these are cool names though? Why is yeah, this though? Why it, Why is boxing all of a sudden? 
I th- we've known. Don't the- have anybody with charisma, I think, yeah. right now. And I also think too, the MMA has taken a lot of I mean, it's gone from uh, you know, th- they're much more brutal. I mean, if you want oh, yeah. that sport, you know that, you know that's seemingly where it goes. Plus, boxing felt so fixed at all that time, and I think a lot of it's just gone to MMA. To be honest. It really is that, but Tyson Fury is a freaking awesome name for a boxer. Oh no, I, I know about that's, that's like a Rocky really villain. Is. Mike Tyson yeah. and Fury. <laughs> the, same name. the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. I want to share something I started reading last night, The Fate of Empires by Sir John Glubb. Uh, It is something that uh, is really easy to read. It's it's like 30 pages, but it is fascinating. And it's, you know what, I, I, I love learning and I love books because they're wormholes. You start getting, you get into one and you're like, I didn't know that. What was the, the Wall of Hadron? Remember, Jeffy, we were talking about that? Yeah, I do. You were talking about, uh, it was fascinating because you were talking about how your daughter told you that it was uh, uh, not quite what it was believed to be. Yeah, so the Wall of Hadron. Or it wasn't the beginning yeah, of greatness. The, it was the end. Yeah. It was the beginning of the end. The Wall of Hadron um, is a wall that was built by the Romans in, uh, in England. And a friend wrote to me and he said, Glenn, I think we have our Wall of Hadron uh, moment coming. <laughs> and I just wrote back and I said, right? you're way too smart for me. I don't have any idea what you're talking about, but I'll look into it. Um, the Wall of Hadron was something that was built in uh, England by the Romans. And it was built towards the, uh, said at the height of the empire, but it, it wasn't. It was, it was the mark of the end of the empire. And it is when they built this wall and they were not building it just for people not to come in. They were also telling their citizens, don't go out because we can, we can no longer protect you. Don't go past this wall. Um, and so it, it's a very interesting um, look at where we are now. So um, last night I'm reading um, The Fate of Empires. And this a guy, he wrote this in the 70s. Um, it's a guy who's written a lot of really fascinating stuff on history. And what he decided to do was look at all of the empires that have risen and fallen and then look at the cycle of each empire to see if there's anything you can learn. So he, he went Persia, ancient China, the Ottoman Empire. Uh, he went the Roman Empire, Greece, everything. And he looked at all of them and said, okay, so what do they have in common? The one thing they all have in common, they lasted anywhere from 200 to 250 years. All of them collapsed in a 200, I'm sorry, in a 50 year, within 50 years of each other. Now he broke up the Roman Empire into two empires. He broke it up into the Republic first and then uh, the, uh, the, 
you know, the, the empire as we know it with, with uh, Caesar. And um, you, you look at this, and what he found is that there is 10 generations that live in every empire. And you can cut these generations and the span of an empire up into six different categories, six different ages. And the first age, now tell me that this doesn't fit us. Is anybody listening to me or am I just, am I just talking to me and my I'm my listening on the radio? As I'm I mean, looking I'm at the wall of hatred. Yeah. I'm listening. Put Google down for a minute. Put <laughs> it down for a minute. Okay, so there's six different, there's six different ages. The first age is pioneers. And these are people who have, um, have been kicked to the ground, have, uh, have new ideas, new ways of doing things, and they are tired of the oppression of the state. And they come up with a new way to organize and a new way to live. And they're really outcasts. And they are, they are they're enemies of the state. And they come up with this idea and... It explodes. They kind of come out of nowhere. They're the, they're the laughing stock of the world. And they all of a sudden appear and just something just begins that is just monstrous in its growth. Okay? I put that time, now I'm just making these numbers up, but I put that time 1760 to about 1820, where they establish a country and get it, get it laid. Then the next phase that comes is conquest where they start to tame the land, they start to expand, they start to buy land and take land, okay? Conquest generally is the taking of land, but they, they begin to just reach way out and they lay the infrastructure in that time to be able to get resources to and fro the vast empire, all right? Once they've done that, they're starting to they're starting to expand and because they're expanding and they need to lay down lines of communication and uh, roads and trade routes and everything else commerce becomes a big deal and commerce it, it, um, uh, it, 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 all of a sudden everybody starts to turn to business this part starts out um as just a result of conquest and a result of, hey, we're building, let's say in our case, railroads. Well, now you build railroads. Now people, they built them out of necessity, but now somebody's getting really, really rich on that. And other uh, people have other ideas that also make them rich. It, the pioneer spirit is in here but it begins by the end of this age, it begins to morph to be just about product, just about making money, okay? I put that uh, from really 1900 to 1950. Now, they kind of bleed into each other and they kind of continue, but we became a country of, of real commerce only about 1900, where it was all about Wall Street, it was all about banking, it was all about money. We started losing our principles along the way, uh, and, and that's what we were. Then the next phase is affluence. I put this 1850, 18, uh, uh, sorry, 1950, 1980, 1990, somewhere in that area. 
Um, and again, it continues. The affluence continues through the age. But the age of, uh, it begins with people, all of a sudden, average people trickle-down economics. Average people have more than they've ever dreamt they could ever have. Think about the 1950s, where all of a sudden everybody realized, I can have a house, I can have a car, and I can have a job, and my life is different. And, um, uh, and so affluence becomes this big deal. At the same time, when affluence is at its peak, intellectualism begins to happen. Now, this is at the beginning of the real downslope. Affluence is at the top, and the downslope begins at the end of affluence and goes into intellectualism. Intellectualism happens when people are so far away from the land and from nature that they don't have to worry about anything anymore. They're not struggling for their next meal, so they don't have to worry about that. They don't have to... Um, uh, they, they don't have to think and work. And, and intellectualism goes from where the pioneers were, where they were learning things to learn them, to help make them their own lives better, and to, uh, and to spread the wealth, and to be able to say, look at this great product that's going to be able to help us grow. Now, intellectualism is just about getting the best job um, and, and then also not applied sciences, but theoretical science, theoretical philosophy. Um, and it begins to separate people from reality even more. He goes into this amazing piece. Go ahead. So he doesn't, he doesn't get into the other aspect of that, which happens every single time. And that's the, uh, that's the, lessening of the influence of spirituality. And- oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, he, he does, does get into oh, that? Oh, my gosh. Pat, you read this. It was written in 1976. You read this, it was like it was written today. Really? Okay. Um, it's absolutely phenomenal. As soon as you become aff- affluent, then you're, you're fat and you're yeah, no, he, lazy. And you he talks, and that's why I said it, it, these lines kind How of... How you got there. Yeah, these lines kind of blur. One leads mm-hmm. to the other. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But what he said on intellectualism, which is fascinating is at the end of every single empire, Greece, Rome, um, Ottoman, Chinese, everything, at the end of those empires, the same thing happens. Intellectualism, where there were just like a couple of universities, you know, there were just a, just a couple of big universities, all of a sudden the state gets involved in all of the universities and spreads universities all over the land. And everybody has to go to a university. And that becomes just like, of course I'm going to the university. Yes. And the whole focus becomes just get them. And that's part of the bankrupt, bankrupting of the morals and the bankrupting of the treasury is the university system. Yeah, you have to replace God with intellect. Correct. So that leads us into decadence because by then, God is dead. And listen, listen to this. Um, uh, pioneers, blah, blah, blah. The uh, People are enjoying high living standards. More and more people are consuming things in excess rather than what they need. The age of intellectualism is next with the necessities of life. No worrisome to a good number of people. 
Um, the uh, the next frontier man attempts to explore is that of Mother Nature. Uh, civ- uh, civ- uh, uh, sorry, civilizations make advancements in science, philosophy, the arts, literature, just to name a few. The production of universities and schools drastically increases, and knowledge is tailored towards specialized knowledge rather than a breadth of knowledge from various subjects. Finally, the age of decadence. The age of decadence is the decay of the empire, characterized by defensive-minded militaries, decaying morals, a lost religion, uh, frivolous consumption of food, entertainment, sex, the complete focus of the individual's interests. When things tend to get rough, it's thought that people will work together to fix the problems, but instead... They are now so divided um, uh, as a society that it makes resolution of dire problems all but impossible because everyone is only thinking about themselves. They lack the self-sacrifice and courage needed to defend themselves from collapse eternally, internally or from the next age of pioneers. Does he only outline the problem and, and the pattern or does he suggest a solution? No, it's 1976, and he's yeah. just um, no solutions. He's just no solutions. There, he's just saying. He's kind of hoping for a solution. He's uh, just. How do you avoid it? Saying uh, that 2030 is the end. Is the end is the end. And and any time, really? yeah. He he basically says that it's more time than I thought we had. Uh, well, no, 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 no. He said that is the natural petering out. That's if the, 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 the glide slope continues just to peter us out. Yeah. He said, but um, that rarely happens. Usually what happens is when you get into intellectualism or decadence for sure, there's a major shock to the system. Uh, somebody attacks, uh, a financial calamity happens, mm-hmm. uh, or, the, uh, or there's an uprising um, from the inside that shuts it down. And so he said the, the ending is usually not a glide slope down. It's usually a fall off at the end. Oh, it, it, you have to read this because he talks about the difference between immigration, too. At the beginning, immigration, people are coming in. In all empires, yeah. people are coming in because they want to be a part of it. At the end, they're coming in because they want, uh, they want the free stuff that the empire is giving. And beyond that, the people who were there who were there from the, from the beginning on the, quote, stolen land that were totally fine and loved the empire. By the end, they have turned against the empire because the, the situation in decadence has turned it inside out so much that now these people are like, I want the land back. I want the land back that was stolen by this corrupt empire. That- that's really it's crazy. I mean, it's depressing, but it's really interesting. Yeah, it's crazy. Before you start, uh, can you give me the name of the book again? Because uh, yes, 9, The Fate asked. of Nations by Sir John Glubb. <laughs> I've, I've read name. most of Sir John Glubb's uh, stuff, and uh, it sounds like a really good one. Too. Hey, having the right real estate agent is really important when you want to sell your house. You want an agent that you can trust, an agent who will tell you the truth, an agent who will do what needs to be done to get your house sold. Um. If you have a hard time with those things, you need to sell your home. I want you to reach out and try realestateagentsitrust.com. This is a company that I own. Um, my brother runs it, um, and he is the most ethical man I think I know. Uh, and um, what we're trying to do is make selling your home a pleasure. 
and easy. These guys are going to uh, sell your home on time and for the most money. All of the agents that we have are, are vetted by us. They all live in your community, and they are fans of the show, so they have your same kind of values. Let them help you take the burden off your shoulders and get your home sold. No more open houses. Let's sell your house. Realestateagentsitrust.com, people who will work to earn your business by living principles every single day. Let them earn your trust at realestateagentsitrust.com. Let them sell your home today. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Glenn Beck. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Sign up for the newsletter and get all the info you need to know at glennbeck.com. So I have to correct my pronunciation. I don't know what I said, but apparently I did not say the Wall of Hadrian. Um, yes. I think you said Hadron. Hadron or yeah, something. Whatever. You're getting yelled at Hadrian. online, and okay. that is the all ultimate right. no, sorry about in that. our society, as you know. That is not, Pat had not heard of it, and I've never heard of fascinating. It. I mean, I, really as weird. soon as you said Hadron, I was like, you mean the Wall of Hadrian? Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> all right. Okay. I, I sat here stewing the entire time. I know, I know. Frustrated at I your know. lack of knowledge. <laughs> as long as we're being nitpicky, uh, the chalkboard says the fate of nations. It's uh, the fate of empires. empires. Yes, I have to. Okay, all for right. So, but you got you got some of it right. Like there's a real there's a slope, <laughs> right? Uh, and then there's some words in the book. Right. Uh, but outside <laughs> already, of that, you've already was, admitted. I'm doing it from memory, I couldn't read. I, I forgot the book at home. Oh, everyone's got a good. Uh, but uh, ears were made up. So yeah. All right. Okay. Right. I'm gonna. Uh, you know what? We're Actually, gonna leave. We're fine. Everything. We're gonna fine. leave it to the experts. John Lott, the guy on gun control, coming in next. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Hello, America. I think the greatest minds, uh, the mind on uh, guns and the truth of guns and gun control is John Lott. And he has a new movie out, The or sorry, new movie, a new book out called The War on Guns. Uh, he has some amazing stats in this book and an amazing case to make on how close we are to losing our guns without losing the Second Amendment. And we begin with him right now. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is... The Glenn Beck Program. John Lott. 
Ph.D., author of The War on Guns, Arming Yourself Against Gun Control Lies. This is going to be the battle of the next four years, uh, perhaps. Uh, And we are dangerously close to uh, losing our Second Amendment right. And uh, John is here to talk about it, talk about his uh, new book. And he just told me off the air, this is the best book he has written on the subject. If you know who John Lott is, that is saying a lot because you are the best writer on gun control. Thank you. Oh, no. Well, thank you for having me here. I appreciate it. So um, we were talking just as you came in just a few minutes ago a little bit about... um, uh, the laws that are being written now, we're about to lose our rights to uh, guns in any reasonable way just by the little bits and pieces that are being written around, all the little common sense that make it will make it impossible for you to even put a bullet in a gun. Right. Well... Up until now, the Supreme Court's been protecting us in terms of saying at least they couldn't completely ban guns. And so what Democrats have largely been doing is just by putting taxes and fees and other regulations that make it difficult for people with guns, particularly the most vulnerable people in our society, poor minorities who live in high-crime urban areas, are the ones who are particularly being disarmed as a result of this. You know, in Washington, D.C., when the president talks about He doesn't want to try to make it difficult for law-abiding citizens to own guns. In D.C., it costs $125 for you to transfer a gun from one person to another. They may not stop you or I from being able to go and get a gun to be able to go and defend ourselves. But some poor black who lives in a high-crime urban area, it may stop them from being able to legally obtain a gun to protect themselves and their families. The background check system that is constantly being touted, I don't think people realize who it stops from being able to go and buy guns. It's a complete mess, the current system. When Hillary Clinton says there are 2.4 million prohibited or dangerous people that have been stopped from buying guns because of background checks, that's a lie. What she should say is that there have been 2.4 million initial denials and that virtually all of those are, are mistakes. Law-abiding citizens who simply had names similar to someone that they wanted to stop. You know, one analogy... Holy cow. One analogy I'd give you is, you may remember the late Senator Ted Kennedy. There was five times that he was on the no-fly list. He had, a name, well, he had a name similar to somebody that was on the list, and he was stopped from flying. Would we count that as five times we stopped a terrorist from flying? Presumably not. But that's essentially the way they count that 2.4 million, because about 99% of those are people who simply have names similar to a felon or somebody else that we want to stop from buying a gun. And it's racist in terms of the way it's set up because people tend to have names similar to others in their racial group. Hispanics have names similar to other Hispanics. Asians have names similar to other Asians. Blacks tend to have names similar to other blacks. So when you have 30% of black males in the United States being legally forbidden from owning guns because of past criminal history, who are they most likely to have their names be similar to? It's going to be other law-abiding, good black males who may need a gun to protect themselves and their families. And so, you know, uh, uh, 
I could give you so many examples that I give you in, in the war on guns. I'll just give you one. In 2013, when they were passing the expanded background check rules in Colorado, I had some legislators who called me up. And I had a suggestion to put up an amendment that would exempt people below the poverty level from having to pay the new state tax on transferring guns. With the exception of two pro-gun Democrats, every other Democrat in the state house voted against exempting people below the poverty level from having to pay the new tax. <laughs> how, many, how, many, how many taxes can you think of that Democrats would fight tooth and nail against exempting people below the poverty level from having to pay? Something similar happened in Maryland where uh, in 2013 they passed licensing and registration rules for handguns. It costs about $250 now to license and register a handgun in Maryland. The Republicans there tried to put up an amendment that would exempt people below the poverty level from having to pay those, those new taxes and fees. The Democrats, which controlled two-thirds of the House and Senate there, wouldn't even let the amendment come up for a vote. And you just see that type of thing. Those are just a couple examples. I mean, it seems to me that there's... I've come to believe that they push these rules the way they do in order to disarm people, in order to just make it particularly that the poor people in our country have the most difficult time defending themselves, even though they're the most likely victims of violent crime and need. Every time they talk about, uh, you know, uh, automatic weapons, first of all, they're extraordinarily rare. They're extraordinarily difficult to get. They're extraordinarily expensive. You can't, I mean, you need a legal team to make sure that you're in compliance all the time. I have a license to have automatic weapons, but it is so complex. No one without a fleet of attorneys is going to be able to afford any of that. And yet they make it seem like just anybody can walk in and buy an automatic weapon. No, they've made it impossible for anybody at the lower end of the economic ladder to be able to have one. In the United States, not one of the mass public shootings has involved an automatic weapon. You know, they use those terms. They make people think that that's what they're talking about when they're talking about so-called assault weapons. Yes. You know, in Europe, where even semi-automatics are banned in countries like France or Germany, there you see mass public shootings involving machine guns. But there's been none in the United States. Um, you know, I've been on, like, CNN's State of the Union with Wolf Blitzer, and he refers to them as automatic weapons. I mean, here, somebody who's been covering this issue for decades. These New Yorkers have no idea, though. They have no idea. They're terrified of guns. They are weapons of war, clearly. But that's all they see them as. They've, they didn't grow up around them. They don't know what they are. Right. They have no interest in knowing. They find this a bizarre culture. Some of the most responsible people I know are the good NRA members. They're the right. most responsible. No, I agree. I mean, you look at concealed carry permit holders. We now have over 14.5 million concealed carry permits in the United States. And that doesn't even count the fact that there are 11 states where you don't need a permit to be able to go and carry. I can't find any other group in the U.S. population that's as law-abiding as these individuals are. They lose their permits for any type of firearms-related violation at thousands of one percentage point, and the vast majority of those are for trivial offenses. In Texas, the most likely 
firearms violation for permit holders is you forget to have your permit with you when you're carrying. Uh, you know, there's no threat. They get stopped. They simply, like some people forget their driver's license sometimes. You have a tiny, tiny fraction who forget to have their permit with them. Um, but, you know, police, I, anybody who knows my research knows how important I think police are in reducing crime. I think they're the most important factor. But police are rarely convicted of firearms-related violations. But permit holders in Texas, for example, are convicted of firearms violations at one-seventh the rate that police are convicted. Oh, my gosh. So, you know, it's... Um, uh, so, I mean, I agree with your statement about them being law-abiding. So, um, y- y- you believe that we have to have Hillary Clinton as president of the United States? Oh, strongly. I've okay. been working night and day. Okay. Um, and do you think she's going to f- confront this head-on as I'm going after the Second Amendment, or she will just continue down this road? Well, I think... I, I think she's promised multiple times that she's going to appoint Supreme Court justices who are going to strike down what are called the Heller and McDonald decisions. The Heller decision in 2008 dealt with Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. had rules that effectively banned any type of gun being used in self-defense. They had an outright ban on handguns, but then they also made it a felony. You could own a long gun, but it was a felony for you to actually put a bullet in the chamber of a rifle or to put a shotgun shell in a shotgun punished by five years in prison. Even if you were for self-defense in your own home? For any reason. So you could have it, but you could only use it as a baseball bat. Right. Right, exactly. And so uh, I think uh, the Supreme Court decision basically phrased it as you could throw the gun at somebody, but you couldn't actually fire it. And so the Supreme Court decision said, they were striking down D.C.'s rules because they said it effectively banned anybody from using any type of gun in any way for self-defense. And so that was a very narrow decision. And so if Hillary Clinton, she may say she wants to strike that down so that we can have reasonable regulations. Well, the only regulation that dealt with was a complete ban. And so <laughs> if, if a complete ban is a reasonable regulation, right. I mean... What is left of the Second Amendment at that point if, they, if the government... Nothing. Is, right. Nothing. S- may I ask, have you thought through what happens if we lose the Second Amendment this way? What, what, what do people do? What happens? Well, I mean, we have seen what's happened before in Washington, D.C., in Chicago, when we had gun bans. We saw huge increases in murder rates and violent crime. I have one chapter in the War on Guns where I look across countries, every place in the world that we have crime data, both before and after a gun ban, has seen an increase in murder rates. Often huge increases, six, seven, eight-fold increases in murder rates that start immediately after the ban goes into effect. You think out of randomness, there'd be once or twice where you would see murder rates go down. But in fact, every single time it goes up. And there's a simple reason for that, and that is when you pass these rules, who obeys them? It tends to be the most law-abiding. The ones who have the permit. Right. The yeah. ones... I mean, it, it literally is the cliche we talk about every time, right? Yeah. It, the ones who obey those laws are the law-abiding citizens anyway. The criminals, the don't, criminals don't care. Don't. What I'm asking don't you, John, care. is have you... I mean, 
I cannot imagine Texas, no matter what the Supreme Court says, I can't imagine some states, Texas being one of them, that doesn't say, to hell with you, I'm going to Texas, like Davy Crockett did. Right. Well, I mean, I'm sure there'll be some states who will fight against, you know, maybe the local police. Look, just I'll just mention generally, police are probably the strongest supporters of Second Amendment rights of any group in the country. You know, the Fraternal Order of Police, uh, Hillary Clinton just became the first presidential candidate to refuse to even ask for their endorsement, major presidential candidate. Wow. And uh, if you read their questionnaire, they had some amazing things that they wanted the presidential candidate to agree to. One was that uh, the presidential candidate would pledge that the Second Amendment was sacrosanct. That's their word, sacrosanct, that the Fraternal Order of Police used. And the other question that they had was that they wanted the presidential candidate to acknowledge that gun control had nothing to do with reducing crime. Obviously, Hillary wouldn't have felt comfortable with either of those. But, you know, there was a survey a few years ago by an organization called Police One, which is the largest private organization of police in the country. It's about 450,000 members. 380,000 are active full-time law enforcement. And... Among the questions it asked was, uh, do you think private ownership of guns uh, helps reduce crime? 76% of the police officers said that it was either extremely important or very important in terms of reducing crime. You know, and you look at their support for concealed carry or other things, it's like over 90% of uh, police officers nationwide think that very liberal concealed carry laws are important in terms of uh, reducing crime. John Lott is uh, with us. He is going to be on the show tonight at uh, 5 o'clock. You don't want to miss it. Only on the Blaze TV. Cannot recommend um, John Lott's books any higher. I mean, every person who believes in the Second Amendment needs to have a library of his books. This, according to John, is the best one he has ever written. The War on Guns, Arming Yourself Against Gun Control Lies, The War on Guns. Get it, um, because you need to be ready for the answers, because um, uh, the, the attack is just about to really begin and get serious. John, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. See you at 5 o'clock tonight, only on The Blaze TV. You can hire an expensive consultant, you can give another speech, but the best way to exhibit your country, your company's values is by hiring the right people. Now, if you're a small business owner like I am, that's really hard to do because you're busy with a hundred different things. That's why we use ZipRecruiter, where you can uh, post your, um, your job needs to a hundred plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. And then you can find your candidate in any city, any industry, nationwide. You post once... And the job candidates, the qualified ones, roll into ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. There's no juggling the emails or the phone calls. You just hire the right person. Right now, you can post jobs to ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck and see why we use ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. 
This is the Glenn Beck Program. So how do you feel about what John Lott said about, you know, Hillary Clinton, Second Amendment done, but he's like, that's why people have to know that Donald Trump is the guy. Got to have Donald Trump. How do you feel about that? No. Made a strong case. No. Mm. <laughs> All right, well, well you give I, me a little more? Do I believe no? anything Trump says? Again, the answer is no. I, he's, right. He has backed off of every position. This point not was. a good day to ask. Right? This point. Not a good day to ask that on the day he's flip-flopping on the biggest policies he's yeah. held the entire time. This is a policy yeah. he's barely even mentioned. How do you, seriously, amendment. how do you know? And and maybe, the you know, as Trump supporters will, will tell us, I guess, but I, I don't know how you ascertain what is the truth and what is not from Donald Trump. He's never told the truth. So do I know that he's sincere today or will he be sincere tomorrow or was he sincere in the past? No idea. So his point was at least it's a spin of the wheel. And I've heard that a lot from a lot of people. At least it's a spin of the wheel. Now, I stop because I believe he's a spin of the wheel into the totalitarian state. Um, I think he is extraordinarily a dangerous man and surrounds himself with very dangerous people. So the spin of the wheel thing doesn't work for me. But let's just play that out. If you don't happen to believe what I do, argue against the spin of the wheel. John's right. You know exactly what she's going to do, but at least you have a spin of the wheel. Well, she will be blocked just like Obama was right. in what her intent is. She will be blocked. Of course, you can say the same thing about Trump if you try to do anything anti-Second well, Amendment, he too could be blocked. I disagree with that because he would have... His, it's less likely because the, he's a Republican. Right. Yeah. The people who might stand up... Although those are gun guys. I mean, most of... The, the one thing it seems like they believe in uh, and usually stick to is the Second Amendment. You don't need many of them, though. You only no, need the Olympia only, Snows or Susan yeah, you only need a, of You only need a couple yeah. of them, and, they'll, and they'll, they'll turn... And by the way, Donald Trump is a guy who he'll get his way or he will destroy you. You think those people in Congress that have no spines whatsoever are not going to fold under his withering uh, attacks? I mean, he hasn't used his attacks to bully Congress yet. I know. Wait Congress till he starts fold. tweeting. <laughs> Congress right. will fold. Congress, Louis Gomer. His congressman, well, <laughs> Louis won't fold. Louis won't oh, fold. No, no. Uh, but, but Congress will fold quickly most congressmen look at health care though we've talked about this example before but you know the, the the republicans while they weren't great voted against obamacare every step of the way when george bush was president and launched a giant new entitlement they, they voted for it, for it. they yeah. voted for it so it was just a matter of democrats a few of them coming along for the ride and we got a giant new entitlement i agree that's why I'm, that's why i stress Vote for the under ticket. Yes. Vote for the under ticket. You have to have control of the House and the Senate. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. This is the Glenn Beck Program.
Uh, so Hillary Clinton got out of shovel yesterday and just started digging herself into another hole on the email scandals. They found more emails. And uh, they're going to produce more emails. I thought she turned everything in and deleted everything else. Wasn't that the story? It was the story, yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's huh. weird. But you know how you misplace an email or two. <laughs> I do. <laughs> when I hand in my hard drive, 15, you know? when I hand in my hard drive, so many times I'm like, oh my gosh, I've got another 25,000 over here printed in a file cabinet that I forgot about. And most of them are about yoga. Or, uh, you know, taking Chelsea to soccer. but uh, Or the things, or the things that important. I just, the love notes that my husband and I go back and forth with, even though he has right. said many times on the record that he doesn't use email. It's that kind of thing. Right. And recipes. And recipes. Recipes, too. She's a big chef. Lots of recipes. Big, big. She cooks a lot for Oh, herself. I think she's got a recipe for us that she's serving up. <laughs> um, anyway, so she, uh, she said that yesterday. Um, and uh, I, at the same time, WikiLeaks said they're coming out with more. Uh, they said they will have the, the um, people putting things up uh, are coming in fast and furious, so to speak. And, uh, and they are... Um, assembling yet another dump, and they said it won't be the last one before the election. Wow. And this is, this is Russia. This is Russia. I mean, this is just mm. the worst of all possible cases. Let's see. You want Hillary Clinton? No, no, no. A nightmare. How long have we said Hillary Clinton is a nightmare? Okay, or you could have the guy that Russia is trying to help get into office. No, now that doesn't sound like a good idea either. That 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 um, uh, Dugan audio is terrifying. Have we ever played that on the air, Pat? I think we did. Alexander yeah, we did. Dugan, where he's like, mm-hmm. Donald Trump is the man we must have in the office. <laughs> Donald Trump, yes. we work on Donald Trump. What? And because. He said the country is on the edge of revolution and Donald Trump will be the one that will do it. And um, he's looking for a hardcore dictator. And so that's why uh, we must band together for Donald Trump. Nobody is watching what Russia is doing. No one is paying attention. It's incredible. I talked to uh, the Washington Post uh, two days ago and talking to one of their reporters and she was doing this story on the alt-right and i said i don't even know what the alt-right is i mean when did the alt-right all of a sudden become this term that everybody's just throwing around uh in the last year certainly last six months okay um you know now it's like everybody's like hey the alt-right and boy the alt-right and you're like what the hell is it used to be pronounced differently it used to be pronounced racism yeah, yeah uh, racists, yeah. Um, Nazis, yeah, that, white supremacists. Right. Some, yeah. Someone, what yeah. some pundit calls them the alt Reich, which is, yeah. uh, again, that's you know, uh, that's not every Trump supporter by any means, but th- that group of Trump supporters are a bunch of nut jobs. Oh yeah, I, they don't even have to support Trump to be a nut job in that group. Yes, I would assume probably Trump doesn't go far enough for some of them. Oh, I'm sure he doesn't. I mean, we're talking about people who have been tweeting pictures of Jews in gas chambers uh, as jokes yes. for a long time. Yes. Um, you know, this is not, uh, these are people that chase, go after every person who, of so, Jewish, you know, anyone who right. even knows somebody who's Jewish in the media and accuses them of running it. Um, you know, it's, it's very, sta- it's been around for a long time. It's just been uh, well organized by 
certain websites that happen to run presidential campaigns. And, and yeah, you're right, and be CEO of presidential campaigns. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I was, um, um, I was talking to this Washington Post reporter. She's very kind, very smart. We had a great conversation. And I said, well, can I take you back? Because she's like, I, I'm trying to understand the alt-right movement and what you think it means for the future and what's going to happen. And I said, do you know anything about Alexander Dugan? And she said, I know the name and that's all I can tell you. And I said, you need to know who Alexander Dugan is. I have said this now to uh, someone of the New York Times. I've said it to CNN, to several people. I've said it to Fox. I've said it to uh, MSNBC. You have to know who Alexander Dugan is. If you don't know that, you're, you're, you're missing the bigger picture. So we're looking at these two and going, geez, what are we, what are we to do? Worst selection of all time. Because we know Hillary Clinton. We know who she is. And I suspect because of Dugan and all of the other earmarks, I know exactly who Donald Trump is. Holy cow, suicide pill, either way you take it. Again, this is, uh, we talked about this before, but it's, this is the great reason to, to vote for the under ticket. Either one of these uh, candidates is going have to, to be held to their power. Have to be held. Um, have to be held to account and have to have somebody who's going to stand up. I mean, you know, uh, Mike Lee, the latest poll, he's up by 30 in Utah. Thank God. There's a great step towards that. Those sorts of things need to happen because you have to have somebody there who's going to uh, fight against uh, either one of these the candidates. Spine. And has the spine. I'm, I'm actually glad to see Marco Rubio because if Trump gets in, Marco Rubio is very aware who Donald Trump is. He's seen him in action. Yeah. And I'm hoping that he will stand if Donald Trump goes off the rails constitutionally. But He has endorsed him. Um, oh, good God. He has not. Has he really? Yeah. Uh, he has not. He has. a while ago. Well, yeah, it was a while ago. I mean, it wasn't a passionate endorsement, and he didn't show up at the convention. He I mean, there was, endorsed him? It was a, you know, a, uh, I would not say it was an enthusiastic endorsement, but it was a... a Still an endorsement. Did, did, did you not hear your own speeches? I, I think Marco? he did. Well, uh, you could say that about every one, every one of them. Guys. Well, yeah. except and for... they'll except say, for, oh, it's just politics. That's the way it goes. Yeah. Primary. Okay. Anyway, Cruz, Lee, Sass, those guys haven't done it, but almost everybody has. Let's go to the audio vault. What do you have, Pat? Uh, here's, uh, you know, the polls have been uh, not the best for Donald over the last couple of weeks. And Kellyanne Conway, the new, uh, is she the campaign man? She's campaign manager now, right? Yes. She was asked about that. The polling numbers for Donald Trump are looking pretty bad, aren't they, at the moment? Not all of them, no. Just the cherry-picked polling numbers that are put out there by media outlets that are also bent on his destruction. Donald Trump performs consistently better in online polling where a human being is not talking to another human being about what he or she may do in the election. Why is that, do you think? It's because it's become socially desirable, especially if you're a college-educated person in the United States of America, to say that you're against Donald Trump. You know what else performs statistically better when it's online? Is the fact that America didn't go to the moon. Really? If you do an internet poll on that, you'll probably get 35, 40% of Americans. Well, the problem who... with internet polls is it could be the same person sitting yes! in their underpants. I think she knows better. To be than fair that. to her, and she's a, she's a smart pollster. Right. Uh, she, I think she's referring to the, the scientific online polls, not like the Drudge poll, which means nothing. Okay, all right. Um, or, you know, I mean, is no, he no doing better? Is he doing better in those? 
scientific online polls. Is he winning any online polls like that? uh, Winning? Yeah. Uh, The only poll that he currently seems to be winning is the the LA Times poll, which... I do believe it's an internet poll, but it's a it's a panel poll. It's a totally different style of poll that they're trying out kind of for the first time in 2016. Who knows? Maybe it's use the right. same people over um, and over. The issue is that they weight it towards um, the Romney voters have more. Uh, anyone who voted for Romney before has more presence in this poll. That's the complaint with it. What they did is they tried to. It's a it's sort of a long explanation, but. What they tried to do, and I actually proposed this to the Blaze to try to do back in 2011 as, as a polling style, which is instead of going to 1,000 people and then the next week going to another different 1,000 people and then saying, well, it's moved three points. Well, we don't know if it could just be a whole other group of people that had those opinions before in the last week, right? So the idea was uh, to try to do it as a panel. a panel. So you have the same, say, 1,000 people that you ask over and over and over again the same question and see when they change their minds. Uh, which I think is really valuable. Another part of it that they did may not be accurate. It might not. Nationally, but at least very important to see. I think it tells trends fairly well. Yes. Um, the other part of it is, and this is where I think the poll has issues, is they weighted it as to what people re- self-reported their voting was in 2012. So if I go to you and I say, Glenn, do you want to be on the panel? Who'd you vote for? You say Romney. I put you in the Romney uh, pile. And then they are waiting those results to get to the same voter um, uh, opinions of of last time. So they're saying basically like it was a four point difference between Obama and uh, and Romney. So we're going to make sure the panel is made up of that split. Okay, now that makes sense logically. However, what studies have found many times over the years is that people tend to misreport who they voted for. In previous elections because no one likes to say that they voted for the person who lost so they find major swings in that and they're trusting people and so they're they're weighting it towards romney people which is why his results seem to be more positive than literally every other poll now i think he has pulled a couple of points closer in the past uh, week or two he has um and nationally it's no longer there was a reuters tracking poll which is another weird type of poll that showed trump down 12 uh, the other day but most of them have settled in that between four to eight point range um which is higher than before the conventions but lower than the peak after the conventions so i think it's tightened a little bit the state polling isn't really showing that yet um but i do that's think that's the thing that is in that that is the thing that is important to me is we're not looking at a national poll now. National poll doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. It's, it's tell me the battleground states. And, right. and how is he doing in the battleground states? Uh, very poor. Um, can I, you give us all of these for tomorrow's show? Yeah, uh, yeah, I can do that. And I can give you... Uh, it's over 100% in many of the battleground states. <laughs> yes, over, over 100%. Over cherry, 100%. cherry picked. Um, yeah, he, you know, that's what Stu's doing, is cherry picking yeah. bad polls for him now. And it's right. pissing me off. Again, he's, he's literally lost every single poll since the Democratic convention, with the exception of that one LA Times poll. Okay, yeah, with the exception of so, that. Wow. And then, I mean, what about I, the even, internet polls? Even Rasmussen, which has been favorable to him, um, he's losing. Um, even Zogby, which has all sorts of issues and is not a respected pollster anymore. What about the uh, strippers but, poll? How's he doing in that? He's doing well there. Okay. He's doing well with the strippers. There you go. But I mean, no, 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 the stripper poll. I was wondering if oh. he stays in such fair shape. I was wondering if he uses the stripper poll. Possible exercise. I didn't as an exercise. Yeah. Yeah. Let me, it was good exercise. <laughs> let me give you this one thing. As the poll, state of the polls right now. Uh, let's go to the 10. We've done this before. The 10 most uh, competitive states right now. Um, Florida, Ohio, 
Georgia, North Carolina, Arizona, uh, Montana, South Carolina, Montana. Iowa, and Nevada. Now, what you'll notice about those, first of all, that group, is uh, almost all of them are on the right side. We're playing ball on the right side of the field. Right, Georgia and Montana are not supposed yeah, they to be competitive shouldn't states. Shouldn't be in play. No, right? even really North Carolina. I mean, North, North Carolina. Carolina has been changing, but no. even North Carolina. And North Carolina, the only, I mean, I think Romney won it by nine. This is not. It's not supposed to be a swing state. It's just that McCain lost it to Obama, so we kind of throw it in the swing state mix. But only it's only a swing state when the Democrat blows out the Republican. Um, so again, and he's losing currently the polls in North Carolina. They're very close. Some show him a little up a little bit. Others show him down a little bit. Um, but again, there's, I just gave you nine states. Let's give all of them to Donald Trump, every single one of them, okay? All of those states go to Donald Trump. He could win those states, but it would be a stretch for him to sweep them. But let's have him sweep them. With all of that done, <laughs> he still has to win Pennsylvania to get the presidency. So? Yes. Again, he is a 92%. It's, Hillary Clinton is a 92% favorite, favorite currently to win Pennsylvania. So even if he sweeps these other nine, he's still got to win that one. That is really difficult to do. Now, the whole state of the race needs to change for him to do that. Man, It can happen. There's plenty of opportunities for it. It can happen. Oh. There could be a catastrophic event. Uh-huh. There could be uh, Russia. If the economy collapses before Election Day... He Absolutely. will go in. Yeah, and again, um, you know, what Kellyanne Conway there is doing to be incredibly generous is spinning the results. Uh, just like you, cherry picking. <laughs> I just gave it. From West Virginia to Louisiana to California. Thank you. The floods and the fires are a reminder of how quickly and unexpectedly life can change and how important it is to be prepared. Not to mention global warming. Yeah. <laughs> Am I right? Well, that was the global warming was the cause of all of those floods yes. and fires. Yes. Um, if you if you hadn't started storing emergency food supply, today is the day to get started. I'm going to show you why. You're going to save a whole lot of money. Most times, we'll tell you about, hey, you can start a 72 hour kit, and what are they like, 30 bucks? Uh, normally, yeah, and like three days of food, it, yeah. you know, on a special for for us on on my Patriot Supply. This is a whole week's worth of emergency food, breakfast, lunch, and dinner for seven days, one person at $17.76. It is such a deal. That's why it's only lasting a week. It's over at the end of this week. $17.76, one week of emergency food supply, only at preparewith1776.com. Preparewith1776.com, or you can call 888-411-0753. This is only going through this week. 888-411-0753. 888-411-0753. Prepare with 1776.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. So let me tell you uh, the genius of, quite honestly, again, uh, people have to got to give the credit to where the credit is due, and it's not Bannon and it's not Kelly and Clark, it's Roger Ailes. Let me tell you what's happening. Um, have, you, um, uh, have you seen Donald Trump speaking at all of these white rallies 
where he's talking about black people. And the media is pounding him saying, well, Donald, you're not going to talk to you. No black person is going to talk to you there. And you're just sitting there up on a stage, you know, talking to black people. Nobody's hearing you. This is the dumbest thing ever. Is it? Is it? Is Donald Trump really trying to get um, that extra two points or four points that he might be able to get in the African-American community away from Hillary Clinton? Or is he going to the affluent suburbs where a lot of the educated women are not voting for Donald Trump because they think he's a racist? In that pitch, is he really making it to African-Americans or is he demonstrating that I'm not a racist? So the the college-educated woman, which is he's getting his head handed to him, maybe he can get 10% of those guys going, you know what, I heard him speak. He cares about black people. He's not a racist. <laughs> is that what he's doing? Knowing Mr. Roger Ailes, I would bet on the smart horse to win. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.